past few years, we've heard the term free agents and been told we would all need to become one in order to succeed. The recent economic structures have helped to promote this concept as reality. Where do we get the tools to take control of our career path in the present and future? Welcome to The Career Confidant with your host, Marie Zimanoff. Marie and her guest experts are here to provide you with the tools you need to move forward and achieve your career goals. Now, here is Marie Zimanoff. Welcome to The Career Confidant. This is your host, Marie Zimanoff, and we're glad that you're joining us here today. We have a guest who is going to help talk about what you need to succeed in that first management job. And I'm guessing, even if it's not your first management job, you're going to get some tips to be a more effective leader, team leader, whether that's an official title or an unofficial title. Unofficial title. So, Grace Judson is our guest today, and Grace has been a leader, in fact, an executive for 16 years. So, she comes with actual you know, been there, done that experience in leadership. So we're so happy to have you here today, Grace. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. Yeah, it was definitely boots on the ground experience and and some of the things not to do as a leader, as well as learning the things to do. Right. And sometimes it's um, easy to say the things not to do and a little bit more challenging to say what to do. So we're going to talk about both of those today for people to get some good tips to take away. And, you know, you shared this study with me that 60% of managers fail or get low performance scores in their first year. Tell me a little bit more about where that data comes from. Yeah, it's a really disturbing statistic, isn't it? Um, it is. Uh, it comes from, um, it was originally, it's actually, I had to track it back. It was originally from a pretty extensive study by a company called CEB Global. And the reason it took me a little bit to track it down was because that um, they were acquired by the Gartner Group in 2018. But... Yeah, they did a study that revealed that uh, up to 60% of new leaders either fail outright or really struggle um, and do not perform, as you said, up, up to spec, as it were, in their first year. And I just think that that is a tragic and insanely expensive for everybody concerned um, situation. And that's really why I do what I do. Yeah, and... You know, you help first-line leaders, new managers succeed. So you've seen this a lot. You know, there's things people go and read, but why do you think that these new leaders fail so frequently? As we come up in the ranks of individual contribution, when you're when you're a, a team member, you are executing on tasks. Your manager gives you a task or a series of tasks, you're part of a project team, whatever it may be, but ultimately what you're doing is task-oriented. So you're checking off things on a to-do list, and it may be fairly complex, and as you get more experience, the tasks you do uh, have more complexity to them, and they have you gain additional responsibility. But ultimately, it's still very tactical, very task-oriented. Well... You get into a leadership role, and it's like the old saying, what got you here won't get you there, because now you are responsible for the people who are doing the tasks. You may still have some tasks that you do, but 
task completion is a very black and white thing. Leadership, as I say all the time, (laughs) leadership is a constantly evolving gray area where you have to be aware of the people that you're leading. You have to be aware of strategic direction and what strategy actually means, which most, if not, well, I won't go so far as to say all, but most people in the individual contribution arena really are not always aware of what strategy even is, never mind what it actually means for their role in the organization. So it's just a very big gap in terms of how you have to think and what you have to do and how you have to communicate because directing people, giving them feedback, delegating, it's a very different thing than interacting with your peers on a team. So there's just a huge amount of difference and change, uh, and it can be very disorienting, I think. Well, I know, because I went through it. (laughs) Yeah, that's interesting. That shift from doing and and tasks to strategy is challenging. And and as you said, people don't even know what they don't know about strategy. My husband was working with a gentleman who'd been promoted, and they were going to try to send him to a class where he could learn about strategic It wasn't necessarily strategic planning, but strategy in general. And he was kind of asking me, you know, do you have any suggestions on what classes he could take or how I could help him search? Because, of course, his leaders, (laughs) which is something we'll get into, his leaders had said that he needed to learn strategy but didn't have any real um, tangible ways to to help him do that. Yeah. (laughs) You do not surprise me. I. I'm going to go a little bit out on a limb here, and I'm glad they said in the beginning that, you know, the opinions expressed by the guest is not necessarily the opinions of anybody else. But uh, I would go so far as to say that many people in executive leadership, including on up to the C-suite, are not always clear about what strategy is or what their organization's strategy actually is. It's really confusing for people. And the the difference, you know, you, you can go out there and, and Google strategy and strategic thinking, and you'll get a whole bunch of different answers that are all just different enough to really create confusion. At the same time, when I did a sort of informal survey of uh, senior-level executives, C-suite people, executive coaches, um, and so on, what is the single biggest challenge for a new manager or new leader? And every one of them, I did not expect this at the time, but every single one of them said strategic thinking. And like I said, I, that was not what I expected, but it was unanimous in everybody that I asked. Yeah, that's just such a tricky, as you said, it's such a tricky thing. You get different ideas of what it means and this gentleman probably could have gone to take a class and it would not have aligned with what the executives wanted especially since they weren't very clear in what they were looking for and it it definitely becomes a Mm -hmm. challenge I just um, actually just met a coach at the International Coach Federation conference and that was kind of his um, elevator pitch, if you will, was that he was helping small businesses understand strategy because most small businesses don't really understand strategy either. 
Very true. I uh, actually do some work with um, some of the local chambers of commerce in helping businesses understand strategy, not just at the business level, smaller businesses this is, but at the, you know, we, we can have, for instance, I just finished a hiring workshop with the local chamber. So it's how do you hire strategically? How do you do your marketing strategically? And so on and so on and so on. And it can get very confusing for people. Yeah. So we're going to talk a little bit more about this, but if we could start with one here before we take our break, what would you say is one of the biggest mm-hmm. challenges that new leader, leaders face? Maybe it's the strategy piece. Maybe there's something else. I think, well, it's interesting because, like I said, if you ask executives what the biggest challenge is, they will say strategic thinking. If you ask the new leader what they think it is, they will say one of a couple of different things. Sometimes it's communication from the standpoint of, you know, I, do I, I, how do I manage, how do I delegate, how do I direct the people that I was just peers with? Uh, do I still get to go out to happy hour with them or do I have to not do that anymore? Um, and they will also talk about just being overwhelmed by really what I would call the gray area aspect of it. But how many meetings they have to go to versus the days when they were able to sit at their desk and, and get stuff done. Uh, how to, one of the biggest ones that they don't always, often don't talk about, but that I've actually heard CEOs talk about. In fact, there was a quote from uh, Howard Schultz, who was the CEO of Starbucks a while ago in the New York Times. The question of fraud factor. Do I really belong here? Are they going to find out that I'm, you know, just faking it? And Schultz made the comment that even at the CEO level, there are days when you wake up and you're like, this is the day they're going to find out that I've been faking it all along. (laughs) So it's just confusing, you know? Yeah. Well, that's not funny, but it is because so many of us have that all the time. Even Mm -hmm. like you said, you've been there for years and you still have that, um, do I really belong here? So a new manager is going to have that in spades. And it's, there's a lot of shame around it. You know, so you don't want to talk about it. Who are you going to talk to? You can't talk to your peer, your old peers, because now you're their manager. You can't talk to your new peers because you sure don't want them to know that you feel this out of alignment. You don't want to talk to the boss that just promoted you because then they're going to think, well, why did I promote this person? Your friends and family are thrilled that you got the promotion, but unless they've gone through it, they don't get it. And because we don't talk about this question of the internal critic and the fraud factor and the imposter syndrome, people don't, people think they're the only one. So it's not, it's not shared. It's not normalized in that way. Mm, That's so powerful just to realize that, that even CEOs feel that fraud factor. What a powerful thought for those folks just stepping into a new management role. Yeah, there's a podcast I listen to, um, a different podcast, <laughs> that is primarily made up, of the, the guests are primarily uh, startup founders, co-founders, CEOs, 
And that is one of the things they talk about a lot on that podcast is the sense that I'm just flying by the seat of the pants and somebody's going to find out and it's all going to come crashing down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, what's the name of that one? It's called um, The Reboot Podcast. The guy who uh, runs it is an ex-venture capitalist, and now he does a lot of consulting and coaching with startup uh, founders. And it's it's very interesting. Uh, if you're a business geek and a leadership geek like I am, then it's very interesting. Okay. Well, on that note, we'll take a short break. We'll come back, and we're going to talk a little bit more about the challenges that leaders face and then some of the tips and insights that people can use to succeed in their next management role. So we'll be back in just a few minutes. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. You hear about it all the time. Compromises, destructive malware, major breaches. You can't turn on the news without hearing about the latest cyber event. Learn more about cybersecurity, how it has become one of the most significant threats to our national security, and the battle experts undergo every day on your behalf to protect you, your families, and your data. Task Force 7 Radio with host George Ritas is the voice of cybersecurity around the world. Tune in live every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on The Voice America Business Channel. Every business wants to succeed. Every individual wants to succeed. But with an ever-changing economy, how can you manage to keep things doing so well, even in times of instability? You can. Tune in to Thriving in Uncertainty with host Meredith Elliott Powell. Meredith and her guest experts have the answers you need to keep you ahead of the changing game in business. Listen every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Accept the challenge to succeed. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at astrategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. And today we were talking with Jace Grace Judson. And Grace, you've been telling us about leadership and people stepping into new leadership roles and the challenges that they face. And one of the the challenges, of course, is that they don't get leadership training. Tell us a little bit about when you would suggest that people get leadership training and maybe a little bit about why companies aren't doing it that way or 
maybe we don't know why, <laughs> but what we would suggest they do instead. I honestly, well, I can make some hypotheses about why, um, but it is definitely true that relatively few companies train at the first line manager level. They wait until somebody has moved up in the ranks and then when they're in middle management or so on, they start to offer some leadership training and executive coaching at that level. I think that when we look at that statistic of 60% of new leaders failing in their first year, I think companies don't recognize the really disastrous cost. Well, disastrous is a bit strong because clearly they continue to muddle along, but it is extremely expensive to replace a failing leader. Uh, I actually put together a spreadsheet that helps people walk through the cost for their specific situation of what it, what the, what it actually is, how much it actually does the expense of it. Because everything I was finding in Googling it, I knew was coming up very short and it's, it's shocking. Um, so I think that without an awareness of what the cost is, my suspicion is from, from what I've heard in conversations and so on, that companies don't see the value in spending money on leadership training uh, or even on management training at that lower level. What they're missing, and I don't understand why, because to me it seems ridiculously obvious, but what they're missing is that these first-line managers and leaders impact the vast majority of any company's employee population. Because they're the ones that are the interface between the, senior, the middle and senior management and the individual employees. So if you have a highly motivated, highly engaged team, it's probably because you have a good leader of that team. And the flip side of that, of course, is that if you have a demotivated, unproductive, unhappy team, it is also probably because of the leader. There was a recent study from the research giant Gallup um, that said that the variance in employee engagement that is attributable to management, it's 70%. And there's a very old saying, people take jobs but leave managers. So why they don't train at that level, I don't know. I, I really don't know. But that, again, is part of what I'm running around waving my arms around about and trying to, to fix. <laughs> yeah, and it's one of those interesting things. Of, as you said, they say people leave a manager and then seen a lot of kind of rebuttals to that recently where people are saying, you know, don't blame the individual manager because it's really their company culture that, as you're saying, doesn't train the manager or, or perhaps sometimes doesn't even motivate them to be a good manager. I mean, so many companies that people I've worked with have been involved with, the motivations for a manager, the measures for a manager almost encourage them to be 
a bad manager. You know, when you're um, rewarded for achieving a certain budget without any look at are you spending professional development money? You know, if the goal is, oh, just come in under budget and nobody's looking at what that actually looks like, it could be promoting a bad management choices. Agreed. And, but I would say that, that even in a company where the culture isn't ideal, we'll say, um, there are still going to be little pockets of success. And those little pockets of success are typically because there's a good manager there. Uh, if, if the entire organization was struggling, then people, well, in this, in our current economy, people are leaving the jobs that they don't, where they're not happy. Um, and I think that the people who are saying it's not, the, don't blame the manager, blame the culture, are right. But the culture ends up being expressed through the manager's actions. They may not want to do it that way, but they may not feel like they have the understanding, awareness, or choice to do it any other way. But it's still their actions that are creating disengagement um, and lower productivity and so on. Right. And they have individual choice to do some of the things to make themselves a better manager. So I'll have you share some of those. What are a few of the top tips that you have for someone who's in a new management role or um, is looking to take that step and wants to be successful? What should they do? One of the first things that I ask people in my programs to do is to understand who they are. And that may sound a little backwards, um, but I think that there's so much out there. There is so much information and ideas and philosophy of management and leadership and so on and so on that it's very easy for people to try to squash themselves into an, an idealized image of what they think a leader is supposed to be. But we are all individuals, and as leaders, I think it is essential to have at least a certain level of self-awareness so that we can understand how we are impacting people. The, you know, we've already touched a little bit on the ways in which people are motivated or demotivated by the actions of their manager. So to understand what you're doing, to understand who you are as a leader and who you want to strive to be as a leader. So self-awareness is where it starts. Um, it then has to do really with clearly it would be very helpful to have a working understanding of strategic thinking and how to look at the big picture instead of at the task level because now you really need to be aware okay, yesterday you were doing these tasks. Now you need to understand how do those tasks fit into a bigger picture? What is the goal of my team on a longer, from a longer perspective? What is the goal of the department? What is the goal of the organization? And how do the things that I am responsible for fit into that? And then to really understand, there's, there's a thing that I call professional empathy, and professional empathy is not, I, I contrast that to what I call personal empathy, which is the kind of empathy that you might 
display with somebody, a friend or a family member who's having a hard time, or to, to celebrate. Uh, empathy is not just about the sad things. Professional empathy is being able to step outside of your own little bubble and what you feel and what you want and what you need and what you're trying to do in your own stress levels and look at the people on your team and your peers and your manager for that matter and understand them well enough that you can communicate with them in a way that makes sense for them so that they can understand what you're asking for and what you need. It is crucial for any kind of negotiation or conflict, but it is also incredibly helpful when you're trying to understand how to reward people, how to motivate them. So long story short, it starts with self-awareness. It goes on to other awareness in terms of professional empathy and also business awareness. How does the business function and what is its strategic objective? Yes, those three pillars, that's a very good way to look at it. Um, easy to easy to talk about, not as easy, obviously, for people to implement. Uh, if there were one way that people could get some training for themselves to, you know, they may not get it from their leaders, their company, what's one way that they could do that for themselves to make sure that they're successful? I think that... There is a lot out there about, well, the company should pay for my training. Um, I think that people need to be encouraged to take ownership of their careers. So, you know, clearly this is what I do for a living and also because I love it. But So I have programs available. I also have a ton of free material because I've been doing this for a long time uh, on my website. But to go out and find leadership training, leadership material that, you know, to take, like I said, take ownership of your own career because the people who really succeed are the ones who... Not necessarily a five-year plan, because stuff changes so fast now, but who have an idea of a next step and work toward that with intention. There is so much available online now that to not be going home in the evenings and spending some of your personal time learning how to be a leader, learning how to understand the people on your team just to me seems to be a tremendous mistake. Right. So take it on to yourself, do some research, get some training, and and perhaps um, my bias would be to get some coaching because training is great, but coaching helps you operationalize it. And as you've said, you can invest in a coach externally. You can ask for coaching to be provided internally, but it's that opportunity is really up to you to make it happen. So how would people get some of the resources that that you have? Grace, can you share your website and where they can connect with you? Absolutely. And I would also add, by the way, when you talk about asking for internal training, there's a lot more available if you ask for it within your own company than you might think. People don't ask. And um, 
you'd be surprised. And it doesn't hurt to ask. It actually shows initiative and that you want to grow and be better. So it's, it won't. It shouldn't be seen as a black mark. Uh, my website is very simple. It's my name, GraceJudson.com. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on. I have a Facebook uh, page for my business. I am on YouTube uh, where I post videos. Uh, there's been a bit of a hiatus. I took a break over the summer, but I'm going back to posting videos, short tips and techniques videos there every week. Um, and there is actually a whole leadership A to Z uh, video series where I did uh, video for each letter of the alphabet with a leadership tip. And yes, there was one for X, but you have to go look at it to find out what it is. <laughs> That's great. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Grace. And your tips are excellent and so helpful for people who are going into leadership as you know, if you've been listening to Career Confidants, we'll say goodbye to Grace, but I'm going to come back and tell you a few stories that might help operationalize some of the information that she shared. So thank you again, Grace, and we'll be right back here on the Career Confidant. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Today we live in a truly global environment. Business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world. How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at astrategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. And today we've been talking with Grace Judson 
about how to succeed as a new manager. And one of the things that she was talking about was a challenge in balancing doing and leading, right? Especially in those frontline manager roles, you still have tasks that you need to achieve. You're, you're still doing, well, that's true even in upper management roles, but it, especially in those new management roles, those frontline management roles, there's often still a fairly long list of of tasks that you have to complete on a daily basis. And yet you're trying to also grow into this place where you're leading. And those skills of balancing that and managing our time and delegating, figuring out what we can move to someone else are often a challenge. And I got to tell you, someone asked on a post, uh, not too long ago, you know, what is your what is your main advice to managers to help them kind of build their the people below them? And really the best thing that you can do for yourself as a new manager as well as for your team is to delegate. Because it not only helps you have the bandwidth to do the things that you need to be doing and to start taking on those next level tasks, but it also gives your team something that they can aspire to, gives them new things to do, and it keeps them growing. Most of the time when I talk to team members who are frustrated with managers or people who are frustrated with their careers because they feel stuck or they're not growing, a lot of times it comes down to the fact that they're not getting anything new from their manager. Sometimes that's well, can have a lot of different things behind it, but a lot of times it's because the manager is territorial. They feel like, oh, I I need to do all these things to be important. And when we get to that point in our careers, we're really in trouble because if we're not looking to the next step and, you know, what do I need to be doing at the next level and what can I get rid of to do that? We are stunting our own career growth We're stunting the career growth of those below us, which means that most likely they're unhappy and we're going to start having some retention issues on our team. So thinking about what you can delegate is is important, not just so that you can do what you need to do, but also so that your team can have those next level opportunities and be engaged and be excited about whatever is going on. And it's interesting that Grace kind of brought up the what got you here won't get you there, which Malcolm Gladwell book from a few years ago. And the whole idea behind that was that if you have to have all the ideas, you're going to have trouble with your team because just like any situation, no one likes to be told what to do all the time. They want a leader who is decisive. They also want a leader who is inclusive and who can bring people alongside them. So I was working with a client that had come into a a leadership role, wasn't necessarily a promotion, which is what happens a lot, right? It wasn't a promotion, but it was a leadership role and gave them that strategic opportunity that they had been seeking, but also didn't take away any of the daily tasks that they had had in, in the job. So in essence, they're supposed to be doing the job, but also doing more strategic elements so that they can fulfill this new role that they took on and the challenge is how do you you know how do you decide what your what your balance should be how much time do you spend doing how much time do you spend thinking about the the strategic 
projects that you might be in. And of course, those next level positions and the strategic piece of it often comes with a lot more meetings. So now you're going to more meetings, you're supposed to be strategic, you know, thinking about what's coming next and doing some research that goes along with that. Oh, yeah, I'm still doing most of your job. And taking a, a inventory of those tasks was really helpful. So kind of sitting down and say, okay, here are the task level things that I need to do. Here are the new meetings that I'm being pulled into and how much time every week is that taking? And then here are the strategic projects that I, I'd like to be working on. And first of all, looking at that task list and really thinking is, is there any of these tasks that one, we could just stop doing? So is there anything here that I could stop doing? Anything here that I could automate? Anything here that I could delegate? So eliminate, automate, delegate. What are those tasks that, that are on my list and, and where do they belong? Do they need to be done? Do they need to be done by me, to either technology-wise or another person-wise? And then if they really do need to be done, understanding the, the priorities and the time that those tasks take. Doing the same thing with meetings. So which meetings do I really need to be in? Which meetings, um, perhaps even some of those are something that I could delegate or talk to the people that are organizing those meetings and see if there's a way that we could be more effective, more um, productive, the more streamlined, which is happening a lot in companies. So that trend can be helpful for us if we're in this position of needing to think about streamlining those activities. And then really looking at how we can carve out time to be strategic. So how am I going to schedule out time to really look at those strategic projects? Because if I don't schedule out that time, it won't happen, <laughs> right? People are going to say, oh, you don't have anything on your schedule. I'm going to book you for this new meeting. Or, I, you know, we need to go and do this. Or your tasks are going to fill in that space if you don't have it set out, scheduled out, and have some kind of plan for how you're going to spend that space spend that time. A lot of people have been talking about the idea of list making not being as effective as scheduling things. So you got to start by figuring out what it is you're doing and some idea of how long you need to do those things and then actually start putting it into your schedule so that it's not just on a list of list of yes I need to do this but it's actually in your schedule as to the, the time is blocked and this is when I'm going to to do it. And then, of course, having the discipline to actually do those things that are on your schedule that really don't have, quote-unquote, immediate accountability like a task. And if you can do that, at least some percentage of the time, you'll have more success in balancing those, those tasks and that strategic focus. You can also find someone that can help you take that strategic focus, you can turn that strategic focus into some tasks to a point so that you have more clarity around what that strategic time is going to result in and and can have items that look like tasks that you can check off and report to. And then of course, when you've thought through it a little bit and have that vision and, and some ideas of what it looks like, speaking your with your manager about it, 
um, and getting any input that they might have into your strategic vision and strategic planning. I'd encourage you to do some planning first and not necessarily go straight to your manager and say, what are my priorities? Um, Your manager now, and they're expecting you to have those strategic skills, even if they haven't offered anything to help you get them, right? So giving yourself some work, some game plan to walk into them and share is going to come off a lot better in in that conversation. So sit down, look at your tasks, think about what you might eliminate, delegate, automate, look at how you might prioritize your meetings and, and strategize your strategic time, and then going and sharing that with your manager, asking if they have any feedback or ideas can be a a good way to, one, help them see what your process is and what you're doing and that you know what you need to try to balance, and two, to get some of their tips and feedback to help you do that even better. That's the kind of doing piece of transitioning from doing to managing, and it can happen even without a, a manager title or a true promotion there's a lot of opportunities that we can take to have that that um, shift and it's a good thing to do right when someone offers you the opportunity to take on a more strategic project it automatically gives you the opportunity to start honing some of these skills when we come back we're going to talk about the communication side of it and a little bit of that fraud factor that Grace was talking about when you get into that role or even uh, not a, an, into an official manager role but into a, a an informal manager role we can start to feel some of that fraud factor and we are going to see that we need to communicate in a different way to be successful especially if we're communicating further up in the organization. So we'll talk about some of the tips to get over the fraud factor and to communicate at a different level when we come back. We'll be back in just a few minutes. The business community's first choice in internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 
Many industries have been revolutionized by technology in the last decade. Books, music, TV, communications, and now it's happening to our money and the way we pay. Tune in to Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how technology and customer behavior will bring about more changes in banking in the next 10 years than in the last 200 years. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on Voice America Business Channel or on AM 1160 The Voice. You'll never look at your bank account the same again. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. And today we've been talking about management and new management roles and how you can be most successful in those. And Grace made a great point right as she was leaving us that you may want to wait for your company to offer you training. You may think it's um, their obligation to do that. Unfortunately, the only person it hurts to not have the training is you, whether that's technical training, communication training, leadership training, it's your career that is going to suffer if you don't have these things. And um, therefore, if, if you have a place you want to go, especially, or even if you just want to not be struggling to find your next gig, that is up to you. And there's a lot of free trainings that you can take today. And I would encourage you to consider talking that over with your manager, go to HR, go directly to HR as well, and find out what training's available. Sometimes it's controlled by your manager's budget, sometimes it's controlled by HR, and exploring conversations with both types of people is a great thing to do. Explore opportunities to get that training internally, get it externally, um, put it on your development plan, and, of course, as I shared with Grace, my bias, to also ask for opportunities for coaching. Coaching will help you operationalize what you learn, integrate it, practice it, see where you need to grow, see where your blind spots are in ways that that you just attending a training cannot do. And a lot of times today, a lot of organizations today are setting aside resources for you to be able to get coaching too. Um, Some even prefer that over training for the exact reasons that I just mentioned. So ask for what you need and explore all the opportunities that you can and realize that it, it is common, natural to feel like you don't belong there. I think probably even most um, most happens when people are promoted, but it, it can happen if you're taking a new leadership role in a new organization as well. Uh, I've worked with a 
middle-aged woman, we'll call her Liz, who had just been asked to take on a leadership role. It was an informal leadership role. It wasn't necessarily a, a manager position. And she's really struggling with that, struggling if she felt like she could be a manager, struggling with if she wanted to be a manager. And oftentimes there's a hard emotional piece there to separate. Am I not wanting to be a manager because I don't feel I can? Or am I not wanting to be a manager because I don't really want to be a manager? And we have to get really real with ourselves there. And if we don't know what management is or we haven't experienced it, it's probably hard for us to know that we don't want it, um, although that's important things to think about, and to really understand if we're shying away from it because we don't feel like we can. That fraud factor is real. It, it, It creeps up on us. And it's that opportunity to take a risk, see it as an experiment, Um, explore it with your boss to really talk about what the expectations are, what the support looks like, um, and maybe get some of those reasons that they are moving you into that position without doing it in a way where you're, you know, needing them to boost you up too much, but to really understand why they've selected you for that role, what they're looking for, um, what they see that can help you be successful in that role. And then to not see it as something that's really all that different than what you've been doing before. There are some logistics. Yes, you've got to manage the the tasks. But most of the time, if we are in an organization, we've been managing people in some way or another already. We've been managing up to help build a relationship with our boss or someone outside of the boss. We've probably been leading some kind of informal teams here or there, um, which this person had been doing. And so we kind of started that search for when have you actually already been doing this to make it not feel so foreign. Um, the idea of, of, you know, kind of pretending is great, but a lot of research shows that that doesn't really do much good for us. The, um, kind of make it, fake it till you make it. It's not bad. Um, but thinking about times that you've already done it, whether it's volunteer or in an informal way at your work will actually be more powerful. So think about all of those times where you've been in a leadership role, where you've had to delegate, where you've, you know, been in charge of coaching or talking to and building up others and building on those tangible, actual, practical, yes, I've been there is really powerful because it helps you see that this is not foreign. It's not that much of a stretch. You've actually done it before. And of course, thinking about all those times is really helpful when you're applying for a management job because we want to be able to communicate those things in your resume and in an interview. So yeah, you you can fake it till you make it, but I'd rather that you dig for those times when you've actually used your management leadership skills and remember those, look at what you've accomplished, look at what your strengths were so you can have some real success to, to build on in your mind. 
and then realize that you're going to have to communicate at a different level. So this is the other thing that Liz mm-hmm. um, kind of struggled with was how do I communicate to the C-level who doesn't want my touchy-feely, um, she was at a, a nonprofit-ish, you know, they don't want my touchy-feely, they want the facts and the data. And that's the first that's the first realization, right? What do those people want? What are they looking for in those presentations? And how can you adjust your communication style to be more effective with them? And really looking for those expectations, asking for them. She was meeting with those leaders one-on-one before she had to go in and give presentations to the leadership teams so that she could be more effective in those presentations. And it was really helpful for her. She realized that especially the CFO didn't want the touchy-feely success stories. He wanted the the nuts and bolts and the dollars. So she could start with those pieces, the data, and then move into having some of the success stories and be able to really tell a powerful, build a powerful picture of her program in a way that she wasn't doing when she was just telling the the human interest success stories that some people in the room were connecting with, but many of the C-level leaders were not. And when she combined the two, it was really powerful. And find someone that you can practice with. Nothing worse than walking into that higher level presentation, having never delivered it before. Deliver it for your direct boss, deliver it for your peers, deliver it, um, you know, she was fortunate to have a, a coach through their leadership program, and she was able to talk through it and deliver it partially for with me, and uh, so much, so much more confidence walking into the room when it's not your first time delivering the material. So we'll be right back here again next week on The Career Confidant with another great show, another great guest. And if you ever have any topics you'd like us to cover or guests that you would recommend, please feel free to reach out with to me at Marie, M-A-R-I-E, at careerthoughtleaders.com. And we look forward to seeing you right back here again next week on The Career Confidant. Thank you for listening to The Career Confidant. Marie Zimanoff will return again with another terrific guest next Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Be sure to join us then.